Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Now, is it Gebhardt or Gerbhardt? Gebhardt. Gebhardt. Yeah. What does it mean in German? Do you know? I don't even know, actually. Oh. No, it's, um, I'm not sure if it means anything. I'll Google it later. <laughs> I wonder if it does. I don't think it does. So my guest today is Peter Gebhardt. Thank you. His name may or may not mean something. We don't know. Pretty sure it is. Um, but I will find out, and if there is a meaning, I will uh, put it on the... Uh, Show notes. Okay. I'm telling my phone to be silent um, as we talk about all the exciting stuff. So cool. essentially we want to talk about how we work smarter. Uh, you've seen the questions, but I'm happy to range wherever you want to range because, you know, I want to find out. Like I want to know what podcasts you listen to because you yeah, told me you listen to absolutely. What's your, what, what podcasts do you listen to? Uh, pretty much Joe Rogan. So probably, you know, that okay. was my first introduction to it. One right. of my colleagues said, you know, it's he covers a whole range of sort of guests and different mm-hmm. topics and I got hooked pretty yeah. much. I was, I was hooked from then. Ironically, he was mentioned, I did it, recorded a podcast this morning with Ingo Bentrot and he said oh. exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and he's, I don't he's know, out there. Do you know Ingo Bentrot? No. No, teaches at UTS. Right, um, okay. he, he was my podcast guest an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously the two of you were on the same Yeah, way. I think Joe Reagan's pretty big too. Mm. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's Joe Reagan. <laughs> All right, cool, okay. Could be just you. Could be. Um, so he's your favourite and that's what you... Definitely you is, yeah. yeah. Like I, I tend to look at, you know, listen to some sports podcasts and a few other things, but if I'm just sort of going on the train to and from work, he comes mm. with so many different guests and a lot of... You know, there's a lot of data scientists in there. It's yeah, yeah. Science, scientists as well. As oh, range of people, so it's okay. Cool. We'll yeah. have to write down, Joe. Actually, I won't write it down because it's going to be my show notes. I'm going, to spend, <laughs> I'm going to spend like three hours listening to this and, and dissecting all the bits yeah. and putting show notes that go. They're probably only, I'm the only person who reads it. But it's really cool because it kind of <laughs> yeah. makes me do research to go, yeah, hey, what absolutely. does Gebhardt mean? Okay, that's interesting. I'll go yeah. with that. No, no, no. Oh, what does Joe Rogan cover? Who are the data scientists who've been on his podcast? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's my brain. That's my brain. Um, so uh, tell me, Pete, let's, let's start at the top of the questions because, yeah. you know, it's important to go sequentially. <laughs> um, actually, do the pre-question. What's the, what's your history? Where have you come from to yeah. get to data scientists? Yeah, so I started off as an analyst, pretty much like a lot mm-hmm. of managers and leaders in yeah, analytics. Yeah. So um, I, very early on in my career, I did, well, I did a lot of um, – uh, data science subjects at university, mm-hmm. so I completed you know to okay. IT and did a masters uh, sorry masters a uh, major in marketing. So mm-hmm. I basically wanted to combine sort of the marketing aspect with analytics as well to help sort of companies sort of mm-hmm. target customers. So started that off very early on and did that, and then I sort of got a bit bored and did the whole overseas experience. Went to the UK, did mm-hmm. a whole bunch of consulting work. Started going into the business analysis side of things, which right. was quite different. It was yeah. very, some different problems. Came back and then really stuck back into the marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. So I was at Virgin Mobile for a few years and I went to CBA and was in their customer decisioning and analytics thing for yeah. a few years. Now I've sort of gone into the government side of things, which is um, a lot different. It's, a, it's, it's more sort of real fundamental problems with, you know, mm-hmm. people getting from point A to point B. So it's yeah, a very yeah. different thing. Yeah, and, so. and transport and traffic, which is a different Absolutely. kind of domain, really. Absolutely, yeah. Compared to, say, finance, yeah. Yeah, very different problems. So yeah. that, that's been good. I think that's been key for me, sort of really staying motivated in my sort of role is to mm. sort of spread the, the problems. That cool. Are, you know. So that's exactly, that leads into the second question, which is how do you work smarter, faster, nicer? What are your routines, your yeah. things that keep you excited and interested? 
Yeah, look, I think it's important to to look at different problems. So it is important yeah. to actually move around. So I find mm. a lot of um, people, particularly within the analytics realm, can stay within sort of one industry for a very, very, very long time. Mm. It's very, very comfortable. So I think it's really about getting out of your comfort zone and going into different roles. So that's mm. what I found has really helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of retain retaining that focus and really sort of mm-hmm. getting more experience. Yeah. Um, I think, cool. Yeah. Um, and do you have, like, what about health routines? Do you, are you a runner? Are you a... I probably don't run as much as I, I should. I've got a three-year-old and a three-month-old, so oh, I'm okay. probably two or three times. Just around the house. I intend to again soon, but yeah. um, I used to, um, yeah, I used to play a lot of football. I saw it when I was younger, mm-hmm. so that was a big part of my life until... I was around 18, 19, used to play a lot of representative and stopped. And now you're like 21, so... Oh, yeah, it's a, just a few years later. But um, I try to swim whenever I can, so I, I do know. a lot of swimming and my son's learning to swim, so I think that's yeah. important to try and stay as healthy as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you have... So um, Ingo this morning was talking about he loves the Pomodoro technique, you know, it's that time management thing where you turn the time for 25 minutes, you have 25 minutes of focus and then you can have five-minute break. Yeah, yeah, I Do you really, have one no, of those no, kinds I'm, of things? No, I'm reading a book at the moment, um, Kobe, Seven Habits Highly. I love Stephen so Kobe, awesome book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I quite like the fact, and I tend to do this sort of plan my week, so yeah, I like I sort of the big important things you put in, you, you need it's to come in. The big rocks in. Exactly, and it needs to be pretty flexible because I find I don't work very well with really highly structured times. So I'm going to no, do this, I'm going to do this. I'm really, really bad. And yeah, I just yeah. tend to, I feel horrible when things don't sort of work out. So I think yeah. I sort of highlight the big important things for the week. I try to put in particular days and then I put that in the diary and then try to sort of, you know, work that way. So yeah. I find out it just becomes too rigid. I get yeah, sort yeah. of stressed things. I'm getting And because work, you're working with Agile, aren't you? How's yeah, that? absolutely. Now, I get lots of people yeah. don't want to get into Agile asking me, but... Is anybody really using analytics? I'm like, yeah, well, there's yeah, these guys. Yeah. What, what was the transition like for you to move from non-agile to agile? It was quite confronting, actually, because mm-hmm. it, it was at CDA. CDA has been doing sort of agile within analytics probably for about seven or eight years. So right. initially when it came on, I think I was just moving into the management space and I was quite sceptical. I thought, well, here we go. Here's a way to sort of micromanage and yeah, yeah. everyone has to put their sort of task on a board and everyone talks and I felt like this isn't, Gonna end yeah. well. It's just going to not micromanage into a corner. But what I think what it does really well, it sort of replicates a really tight team. So it really forces the conversation at the beginning of the day. So if you want a team that sort of tends to help each other a lot, says, Are you okay? Do you need some help? These are the challenges that we're having right now. You have a clear set of you know tasks mm-hmm. or objectives of what you're trying to accomplish in two weeks or four weeks, whatever mm-hmm. the cycle is. So people sort of have a sense of where they're going and they have a place every morning where they get up and they say, oh, I need to I can't come. see so it's kind of with that. No, that sounds fabulous. It does. And it really, and I think it's at the beginning of the sprint cycle, you sort of, you really cut down what you think you can get through. So it has that lens of, is this really realistic rather than sort of working you know, right. 12 yeah, hours yeah. a day? It really needs that lens. So there's a lot of protection with the team, but there's also a lot of sort of collaboration. So I think it does that really well. I think mm. there's a lot of... Um, Articles out there that say you have to do this, you have this ceremony, this ceremony, it has to be structured in a very, like, you know, specific yeah. way. I find you make agile work and you mould it in the way that works well for your team. Yeah. But I think effectively it's, it makes people sort of communicate and seek help very quickly. Yeah, and that's, that's wonderful. And it makes them accountable. Absolutely. Without making them feel like they're being micromanaged. So it doesn't feel like micromanaged? Not at all. Because I think 
I mean, everyone sort of in the morning says, this is what I'm working on, this is what I accomplished yesterday, this is what I'm going to do today, and this is what I'm stuck on. So I think it, it forces introverts, they find it quite uncomfortable in the yeah, beginning to sort of say, like, yeah, because yeah, the teams could be anything from a few people to 10 people, and it can be quite confronting. Yeah, exactly. uh, sometimes for some people, talking in front of 10 people is really it's hard. It's terrifying, yeah. But I, look, it's... I think if anything, it does it does that very well. So if you have a really tight team, communicate really well, help each other all the time, want to not see anyone else fail, and really want to achieve something really quickly and get it out there, I think I think that's what it does. I'm like tick 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 yeah. tick tick. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you wouldn't go back. No, I think I think it's very pragmatic because at the beginning of each cycle, you sort of have someone who says, "This is really what I want to see," and you sort of have so clear they objectives. have to be clear on their outcomes as much as in the beginning, the absolutely. Analysts have to be, yeah, because um, that's one of the big things that, that you know, as I'm interviewing people and asking about what makes a good analyst. Almost yeah. all of them are like, "You've got to know the con, got to be able to ask the, the questions to get the context." You're going to yeah. be curious. Absolutely. Agile is going to force you to be curious at the right time. It is. And keep you on track. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, and as a manager within an agile context, what's yeah. different? They tend to, look, they put managers within the Scrum Master role quite often. So yeah. the Scrum Master's kind of a funny yeah, yeah. they're intended to sort of protect the team. So you'll have yeah. sort of the business having this flood of information always asking, can you, can I get this? Can I get this bit of data? Can you give me this? It's really their job to protect the guys from all these external forces coming in and saying, no, this is objective, we just want to get this stuff done, we just want to get this stuff done. Yeah, yeah. That's not to say things don't change because priorities can change. So yeah. you really, you have that product owner, one person who's sort of who sponsoring says, oh, the whole I'm thing. actually in charge here, yeah. Exactly. So that's, um, things can change, that's okay as well. That's the other thing. I mean, you might be working on something and a day later you think, well, this someone's released something that's very, very similar, let's stop and go back to the drawing board. And that's okay as well. So, so that iterative approach of it can change day to day, which is why you have daily meetings. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they're not long. No, long. like in the morning, they're 15 minutes. Yeah, so yeah. I think, um, look, and to counter that sort of risk, you tend to have it just for a couple of weeks or sprint cycle. So even if you work on something which someone already has or yeah. it's, it's worth throwing away, it's only two weeks lost. So. Yeah, at the end of two weeks, you go, Starting. We're not going to pursue this any further. Exactly. Yeah, yeah and that's important. You could be working on something for six months, get it out, and you think, oh, yeah, you don't really need this. That was Thanks anyway. Waste of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Mm. Oh, there you go. Excellent. Well, that's good because people keep asking them, like, well, I know yeah. this team. Well, now I've got you on podcast. I'm going to just go listen to the podcast. <laughs> Peter's going to tell you all the things he loves about Agile yeah. and why it works. Um, and it doesn't make it, like it, it, it's not like, oh, it's analytics, it can't be done. It's actually. No. It's still a project-based approach. What's the outcome you want? How can I deliver it? I think what often happens is Agile was, it started out in software development. So it was, you know, had a real clear sort of objective of trying to build this out with this feature, get it out there. With analytics, it's quite creative. You don't always know... It, what, it's you, you need to be? seek the problem and yeah. yeah you need to ask from the business what's your problem fundamentally what, what are you struggling with and you need to try to interpret that in a way which data can help them make a decision and then you know break that apart and say well what can I deliver in 10 days and then go and do it so those things are quite hard and I think it, it is a challenging sort of way of working to push into analytics but it's certainly possible I think if you have those conversations up front with the business and the product owner really understanding them and that's the key thing I, I think it's very possible, but I think if you don't have that engagement, you're really confident going out and saying, we want to help you. I think if you don't do that and you just sort of try to do your own analysis and get it out there, that that's where it fails quite yeah, often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it requires a different <laughs> mindset on the part of everybody, not just on the analyst part or Absolutely. the manager's oh, part. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's a big yeah. fundamental shift in for the analysts, but it's also for the business and the way they work. And so what's the outcome? Once you've done that, once you've said it in, what are the differences you're seeing? What are the gorgeous things about it? 
Yeah, so I think, well, I'm working pretty closely with regional and freight, so that's everything outside of Sydney. So you think, oh, there's no traffic problems out there at all. What are you talking about? So I think one of the biggest things when I first came to RMS around 11 months ago was we want to understand the performance of the roads. Right. So give me a red amber and green, show all the major routes outside of Sydney, let me know which is struggling, which isn't struggling, right. uh, and explain reasons that's why. That's a huge it, amount of data. It is. Yeah, but you know what? And it's the way we... It's also what is performance? What on earth does that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. How's so, the road performing? I don't yeah. know. It's black. <laughs> so, so we we turned, we went out to the business and asked them, "What do you think?" And got a whole raft of different responses. So that's it, it. Doesn't always work when you go out there and say, "Well, how do you want to answer this?" And sometimes you just have to have a stat and say, "This is what I think is the best. Way. This is the best way to measure performance." Mm-hmm. We compared it to people traveling at the speed limit mm-hmm. over the month and gave them a score. Um, and pretty much gave a red, amber, and green rating based on you know the best performance of the lease, and said, "Here you go. This is what we think." Yeah. And you get all kinds of reactions when you get it back. But I think that was our first iteration. It's first just getting it, getting it out there, creating sort of a static PDF. It was nothing, no dashboard, flashy. Get out. What do you guys think? And of course, first reaction is like, "What on earth is this?" And, yeah, but that's yeah. like, that's good. You well, because at least they're now something to respond to. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So part of it, what is you you're kind of setting problems for them to respond to that gives them an idea to go, well, that wasn't what I meant. Absolutely. It's like when I send my designer something and I go, look, what I want is something that feels a bit like this and has a look like this. Yeah. You know, give me, and they give me two things and I go, oh, first one's terrible. The second one's closer to what I want. But can you make that more? Absolutely. And I don't That's know what I want till I see what they've given me and I go, well, yeah. it wasn't that, but it's yeah. kind of like that. And it's just a process. You don't often know. I think with analytics, like I said, I said before, it's kind of creative and it is. You don't even know sometimes what to look for, but you've yeah. got to get something out and get the feedback. And sometimes that's the best way to actually just start the conversation. Mm. And that, that's progress. So we started from just the PDF to building insights packs. And now we're building dashboards to actually, for them to actually go in real time, they can see what's going on. So we're just sort of yeah. building on from there. Nice. Is, so I think, yeah, I think it can work. I think like getting back, I can see why people think within analytics, it's, it's, doesn't always work, but I think it can. I think you just need to engage and get those relationships with And it's a lot of change in terms of relationships. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing, yeah. Yeah. And, and for RMS, that because that, part of your – I mean, we've had David Scott on, yeah. so he's – I think he talks about it in the podcast. I'm pretty sure that's where he told me about it. Uh, it was the, the, just bringing everything into one place to have everybody, the analysts, have access to the yeah. all of the data was yeah. in itself a oh, totally. major deal. So it is major. You're deal. transforming that organisation data-wise. Yeah, because I think I mean a lot of places. I wouldn't stereotype and say government, but there are a lot of disparate data sources everywhere. Yeah, because everybody wants to keep their own. Absolutely, that's mine. Don't touch it. Yeah, and yeah. and and that's that's hard. You sometimes face that, but I think if again to bring those people around to see the benefit of what you're doing, we're trying to have one ecosystem. It's like, well, it's not about ours. We're actually here to help you as well. So mm-hmm. it's sort of it's really about trying to be with people on the journey as well. And it's trying to change that mindset to say, I'm not taking your data, I'm not taking your role. I'm actually trying to help you. Do I'm looking it. after it. I'm so, tempting it. I'm going to water your yeah. data every day. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's, and I think that's that's challenging because not everyone has like the same view. But, no, um, exactly. But the, the beauty of having it in one place is that they can still access. It's not like you're taking it away. I'm taking it away. No way. It's still there. I think they call it democratising the data sometimes. Democratising so. <laughs> the data. Well, it also means you can cross-fertilise it with other data and, and have, yeah. like, data makes data. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And take over the world. And <laughs> Hang on, what? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so talk to me about um, lessons you've learned over the years. Is there any, yeah. any you're like, oh. A lot, actually. I wish I had this. <laughs> Look, I think on the personal side of things and, and really – 
it relaxed the work as well. I think if you're putting something off, if, if you know you're, you know you're putting something off, yeah, yeah. it's getting an exercise or whether in business you say, I really need to talk to this person, like I said before, about trying to bring them on the journey. Yeah. If you find yourself focusing on things, oh, I just want to get this done, you're, it's your subconscious, it's screaming at you saying you need to deal with it. So yeah. I think that was a big thing early on is just really learning to sort of have the hard conversations and just go ahead and do it. Oh. I think that was really, really hard. And then probably um, call it shoot the grandma. If you know grandma's got to get shot, um, don't put it off. No. <laughs> shoot like, the fucking grandma. I don't know that. Get to the next bit. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But I think that's, that, that's been a big one. I think the other thing is just delegation because I think a lot of when you have agile within analytic communities, you tend to see analysts sort of rise up and get into those management leadership roles. And mm-hmm. look, I think for me, because I came from that background, I thought, well, I can offer, you know, help to the analysts within the scrums every morning, say, why don't you try this method, this method. The reality is more and more I'm off the tools. I'm getting really rusty. And I, mm-hmm. I can't really sort of understand exactly the problems they're working on. All yeah. I can do is sort of offer them sort of, you know, a bit of advice and just dealing with stress and stuff like that. So it's, it's being okay with the fact that you aren't on top of the tools anymore and you don't really know this technical That's a really hard transition in every single career. You're you're questioning yourself and am I offering value here? But you are, but it's just in very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. How long has it taken you to make that transition? It's been a few years. So I think, um, because I think I tried to stay on the tools, try to get technical, you know, I'll jump in here if you can't do this, that's how I'm going to help you, but I'm not helping them. I'm not helping them learn how to cope with things or... Know, take on those leadership roles if they want to or go and have those hard conversations. I think um, it's you need to give them the opportunity to, to resolve things themselves. So I think kind of a way it feels like you're sort of taking a step back as well. You're doing less and less for them, but I think it's it's really important to help them grow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. Any other lessons learned? I think that, I think just learning to delegate as well. I hate the word, but yeah. it's just, you, like I said, it's sort of similar to the last point. You can't do everything. And yeah. even with the big strategic pieces like trying to bring in new data sources, trying to move into predictive like space. 50 analysts over there, haven't you? Not, yeah, within all the scum teams, it's around 50. Within okay. my team, it's around seven or, or seven or so, not too Even many. that, it's, that's a lot. You couldn't do all the no, work for them. No, absolutely not. And look, there's things, longer term strategic things, which are being asked to sort of get involved in. And we're trying to get in the predictive space a lot more. Um, we're still trying to keep the, the wheels moving in terms of the actual um, what happened and why did that happen in terms of performance. But I can't really be across all those things. So I sort of say, look, can you please take the lead on this? I can't go to these meetings or I can't sort of go to these steering groups. Can you go in my in my? And space? that's great delegation. Because yeah. delegation is also about forming them. Absolutely. Like if, yeah. if you were to you know, move to Thailand for, <laughs> you know, because you won the lottery tomorrow, yeah. you'd want to have someone in your team able to step up and take that, and they can't do that if you're the one who's always done it. No, well, a lot of people determine that as success. If I, if someone can take my job or if I make myself redundant, then that's a great thing. So, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. People will look at me funny when I say that, but yeah, I think yeah. if you can walk away and it'll, it'll keep moving, then yeah. you've done your job. Yeah, so. exactly. That, and that's the, the, the highest accolades can be, you know, we didn't need him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We wanted him to be there, but we just really didn't need him. Yeah. So we redundant him, and <laughs> now he works. He runs the organisation. Um, what about what makes a better or worse data analyst in your experience? Your experience. Yeah. Look, the biggest thing is I think telling a story. I think that that's a real look. It's it's a big struggle to actually find people that can do this because the data space is exploding. You have data scientists learning new languages and yeah. learning how to deal with new cool things with data, new visualization tools. The number of tools and languages available to people is just enormous. It's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Right? So 
I think that's great that a lot of analysts and data scientists are going down that path. The, the biggest gap, and I think it's, it, it's really important, is connecting with the business and telling a story with your data. Mm. Being able, it's not just being able to present, it's really trying to influence people to say, this is happening. Like I mentioned before, when we first started coming up with performance metrics, well, mm. we, we think this is what you should use and why, and really explain mm. your case. And I think it's, it's more of a softer skill, but it's not the technical side, it's really how do I help the business and, mm. with this data? How, how do I influence them and, and help them out? And how rare is it to find that or do you have to form it? I think you have to form it. I think people naturally either one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I think we, what we do then at the Agile sort of space is we have these things called showcases at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Get a whole bunch of people who say, look, invite all your stakeholders, bring them along. And each of the team get up in front of all these people and they talk about what they did. And I wow, think that's, even your little introverted ones you've really done. Yeah, well that's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. And it's, and it's a really good thing because everyone's terrified. Right? Yeah. In the, in the, but it's really, it's great when you see them gain confidence and yeah. doing more and more of that. And, and realise it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, look, I think that's, that helps them, that creating those sort of environments where they have that practice. And that's all it is, just practice. You just yeah. have to keep doing it. But I think it, it is really... A fundamental skill and I think it's lacking a little bit out there just broadly yeah. um, but I think it's, it's really important and is that because you learn it by exposure to the business I think it, yeah you do so I think when you first come in traditionally you sort of say here's a problem here's a whole you know here's what I want you to build as a dashboard you give them a whole bunch of you know requirements and then someone else takes away and presents it to the business say this is great isn't it so I think but because the role of the analyst is really that doesn't work because it's passing too many too many hands, we want them to be sort of the trusted advisor. So mm-hmm. I think they only learn that on the job. So it's very, it, that, that's traditionally not their skill set. So they're yeah. sort of learning that on the, mm-hmm. on the job. Yeah. Is it, I mean, do you, so I had Glenn Bell on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, there's a place called the Data School, mm-hmm. um, where they, as it's kind of almost like an apprenticeship kind of concept in that you learn stuff and it includes Absolutely. Present this, present this, present this, present this, yes. present this, tell yeah. a story. Um, yeah. So that's not a traditional university. But no. do you, in your experience, are people coming out of university even aware of the stuff? Like are new people coming through or not yet? I don't see it yet. I think maybe it's just the people sort of I've been interviewed because it's, you know, it's, it's Well, the one is small still. and yeah, it depends who applies and yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, but not yet. I think it will change because I think... Um, you can do a whole lot more with the tools, which what you could have done 10 years ago. Mm. So I think there's a need to do that more and more. So I think you'll see a change. But right now, it's, it's, it's really hard to find people that can mm. really, you know, uncover the analysis, uncover what the story is, and then go and present that and say, this is what's happening. I think yeah. that's really hard. Yeah. And your guys are getting better at making They're getting, very, they're getting very good. They're a lot better than me. Um, <laughs> talk to me about recruiting. How do you recruit? What kinds of questions do you ask? What kinds of things are you looking for in the room? Yeah, look, it's less the technical. I think most people, analysts, know how to code. They know SQL and how databases yeah. are structured. Um, I like to sort of really... And if not, you'll find out pretty quickly. You will. You will. You'll find out straight away. But I think it's, like I was mentioning before, I think it's evidence of a bit of courage where they yeah. in previous roles have... How do you ask that question? Well, I look, to, I look to say, is there something that you implemented? Is there a change or is there a piece of analysis which you implemented which the business disagreed with you didn't like? Oh, okay, You, cool. you went ahead anyway yeah. and presented it. And it's, you don't get a lot of good, good responses because it is quite a tough thing to do. But I think it's really to see, you know, because you'll have opposition out there when you actually start to present pieces of analysis. But it's really that... You know, finding that courage. People have said, oh, "I know this is going to be inflammatory. I know people aren't going to agree, but I'm going to go on and sort of get it out there and see what the response right. is." So, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fine line, isn't it, between I'm just uh, the kind of bastard who ignores everybody, whatever he says and just does it anyway, and the I've got courage and I know I'm right. Yeah. But I'm I'm a nice person. That yeah, must be absolutely. a fine line. And it's yeah, and it's finding the, the almost like the emotional maturity to be challenged and be okay with that. Because I think that's the other thing I find. If you have teams of analysts, if they're not disagreeing with each other in a nice way, so yeah. trying to say, look, I think what you're doing is wrong, I think what you're doing is wrong, there's a problem because yeah. everyone's trying to sort of that's that collective sort of, you know, the bias yeah. of saying, look, you know, confirmation bias, we'll agree this thing, let's just find everything that proves this thing. And I think if you're not you don't have a culture where and also saying, well, hang on, I don't agree with that. that that's mm. that's a problem. So I Then think, you're not actually discussing the problem, you're just true. fulfilling yeah. orders then. Exactly. So mm. I think, yeah, so a bit of, bit of courage, a bit of evidence of where they sort of upset people um, and just really, like I said... I'd be interested in asking the question, and how did you make it good again? Yeah. That's the thing. Not Absolutely. that you upset the client, but that then later you can... Recoup that yeah. and have the client still want to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's tricky. It is a, it is a hard skill because you don't want to go in there guns blazing, but I think no. it's, it's a softly approach. It's a, yeah. And we found that, for example, in coming up with these performance reports at regional, they've never seen anything like that before. There was a big focus on safety. This is more on the customer experience. How are yeah. people feeling driving? Yeah. This is how we think they're feeling. Yeah, they're feeling at least confident Very enough different. to drive at the speed limit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or not. Or not. Yeah. And we think that's a problem. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's not the case. But it's... Um, it's it's just taking on that journey saying, well, this is just one view. There's many views and we feel like this is best representing someone typically driving on the road. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think if you explain your case, I think if you do that well, you're okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So when you're recruiting, you're asking those kinds of questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, professional development, how do you yeah. develop yourself? I think for the moment, I think because... Um, home life's quite difficult with two kids. Yeah, that's that's kind of hard. Baby, baby, you can't do anything. No. Well, <laughs> Back in the day when you just had one yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, I, I read quite a bit. So I read a lot of sort of books in terms of how, like I said, The Seven Habits and yeah, um, yeah. Um, another one called Carnegie um, to How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah, those yeah. kind of books. I think they're really... The classics. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think we always try to... Have you read Have you read Alec, uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich? I have read that, actually. There you That's go. See, book. it's all yeah. in the same ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's... Um, I think those books are, are really, really important. I think um, I was... You're quite exposed to the tools, so I think it's important to sort of understand what's happening out there. You'll go to some seminars, you can say, well, mm-hmm. what's... You know, what are the, some of the new languages like Python coming out? What are the new techniques to actually predict things? Those kind of things are important. So you go to meetups, you go, what do you do? Yeah, look, I have a lot of um, colleagues in different parts of the business, so it's just casual, casual catch-ups with people in front. Oh, so you have catch-ups and people just tell you shit? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's Chris Carr, who I interviewed from ah, Combat. Yes. You yeah. know Chris I know Carr? Chris, yeah. Okay, so he was pretty much the same thing. He's like, I just go and find somebody who's already do it, and I yeah. argue with them, and I'll be a bit of a sticky beak, and yeah. I find out, and I don't have to go to a seminar. No, you don't, yeah. Whereas other people are like, oh, no, I have this YouTube channel, I watch it religiously. Um, different people, different styles. I think, so, yeah, look, I think I get more out of just speaking face-to-face with people and reading but as well, yeah. but I just really love to go and see, well, how are you going? What are you actually, mm. how are you, are you struggling with certain things? How are you getting around with it? So that's kind of what yeah. I tend to do. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done, I, I've done a development programs with analysts where literally I just give them an assignment. Yeah. Go and ask your client how they manage time. And they come back and they go, oh, my God. Yeah. My, my client's under so much pressure and they've got no time. Like, yeah. really? I mean, you thought that they were just hanging around waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, just until you ask the question, you don't know that other people are struggling with no, the same problems absolutely. you've got. So nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Any, um, uh, we've talked about podcasts. Are there any YouTube channels that you love for professional development or not? No, not particularly. Like, I mean, if, like I said, it's just... 
I think I learn more from just speaking with the team. So I think we get up every morning, like in the Agile ceremony, you start on anything, is there anything you can, you know, you can yeah. help with? But I think it's, I try to go out and casually one-on-one with them, just sort of talk to them really, what are your ideas? Like, yeah. where do you think we should be going as a team and as a business? And nice. that's when they sort of start, because these guys are actually looking at YouTube channels, they're yeah, smarter yeah. than me, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. coming up with these ideas and I tend to learn quite a bit like through that. So I think it's, and you can be, you can get too busy on just sort of going to meetings, doing emails, but you really need to take time with your team and, and they're, they're on the tools so they yeah. know these things better. They know what's happening. And you learn far more from them than what you can go, you know, yeah, putting exactly. some YouTube videos on well, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, complex explanations. Yeah. What do you, do you have particular, I mean, we've talked about the need to kind of tell the story and sell the story and, yes. and, and sometimes say things that are unpopular, but are there particular techniques or ways of working or explaining things that you go, I, yeah. I rely on this? Look, I, <laughs> I try to say um, if I was trying to explain this to my family, if I was oh, trying okay. to give them over, like I try to give the lens of all my brothers and sisters and mums and that. I think the biggest thing is we try to look at a problem and overcomplicate it and we say we've got this new method and this you know particular way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. I've been in presentations before where people are nearly falling asleep, they just don't care. And you have yeah. these charts and you think they're engaging. But I think you need to make, first of all, what's the business problem? Yeah. Make that really obvious. We're here because, you know, we understand. Yeah, because we want to know how yeah. our regional roads are performing. Yeah, that's right. And um, not death by PowerPoint. I try to use videos wherever I can. I try yeah. to sort of spark up, turn the volume up and try to sort of get them engaged. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. So just really um, making it very easy to understand for instance like i said the performance of the roads before mm-hmm. you know if you're driving on a road and if you're going at 110 out of those roadworks and goes down to 80 is that a good experience no it's not and we're mm-hmm. representing what that is on this color chart so it goes from red from green to red so just really trying to make it very easy for people to understand people understand and, and um do you have a do you limit how long things are do you have presentations that do not exceed x minutes or i tend to yeah i have slots um presenting to essence like senior leadership groups yeah. i only get slots for about seven or eight minutes anyway so oh, okay. i tend okay. to motor through very quickly you've got to get yourself um, into order yeah yeah look i think no more than 10 minutes i think yeah. the longest i've ever spoken for is 12 13 minutes to yeah. senior audience and i think after that they're kind of all right let's you know yeah. we've had enough of the analysis let's go yeah. something yeah. else give me something interesting yeah, yeah exactly. so i think um nice. yeah um, favourite charity? Um, I'd probably say Beyond Blue. I quite like that. Okay. I think I think mental health is a very misunderstood thing. I think, um, yeah, and I think like just for me going through this, going through a life change with kids and all that kind of stuff, it's you can see how people struggle. Yeah, particularly a lot of fellows. I don't yeah. talk about you know things yeah. when they're struggling. So I think um, any charities that really sort of try to look and stare into that, I think it's really worthwhile. So I think yeah, mental health is very misunderstood, and I think mm. any charities that go to to help improve that is, is really worthwhile. Nice. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? I don't know. How long have we been talking for? It feels like a long about time. About 30 minutes. Is that all? That's good. We can finish now if you like, but if there's something you'd like to talk about, and it's something you thought about in the train on your way here, I don't know. Look, I think... I think oh, no, sorry, you would come by road, Chris. Well, yeah, a bit more. No, I can't I come by train. I don't I know. Train. <laughs> Parramatta um, to the city is actually really fast. It is fast. It's The train's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, the road's a bit different, but... Um, Look, uh, no, I think that's probably it. I think, yeah, we've covered sort of how we sort of do work at, at RMS and how Agile's helping us, but I think, yeah, yeah, I think we've done a good job. Well, it's been lovely. Thank you. To speak to you. Thank you, Peter. No, we will, cool. I'll think of some more questions and do it again. In a yeah, of absolutely. All right. Cool. Dude, okay. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, 
This is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultant's Consultant, and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster, and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, if you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent. I can help you help them get to the important problems faster, target the wasted time and save you time and money, and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.